Welcome to the Kenza Pod, brought to you by the Kenza Collective, a platform designed to teach parents how to leverage their existing skills and network to create a successful freelance business. On this podcast, we bring you inspiring stories from other parent entrepreneurs, and we share pro tips to help you build a sustainable business so that you can create a life and a living that truly works for your family. Welcome to another episode in our ongoing series, So You Wanna Bea. So in this series, we talk to other parent entrepreneurs out there about how they got their start uh, working for themselves, what their day-to-day looks like, juggling a business and a family, and just really dig into any sort of pro tips they may have for you, dear listeners, if you're interested in this type of work or just interested in working for yourself in general. So on today's show, we have the pleasure of talking to a dear friend of mine, Liz Ryan, who is an incredibly talented landscape designer in Santa Cruz, California. She started her company, Wildflower Landscape Design, in 2013 and has since had two children and endured a pandemic, and the business is still going strong. So we're going to dig into all of that. In her words, she says that it's a crazy, busy, but ultimately fulfilling life. We are also joined by my partner in crime, Beth Gummery, from over across the oceans and seas in Denmark. Um, welcome to the show, there. Liz. <laughs> That's yes. why it's dark here. Right, right. It's light where you guys are on the West Coast, and it's nighttime over here. <laughs> yeah, we try and do our things as early in the morning here in Pacific time, so Beth's not staying up till midnight for us. <laughs> well, cool. Well, welcome, Liz. We're glad to Thank have you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> So let's just kick off and have you talk about you, your life. How did you kind of get your start in landscape design and take us back to those early days when you were just getting into this? Yeah, I mean, the, my journey in landscaping in general started kind of at a very young age where I was vegetable gardening for with my parents and my one of my big chores growing up was doing the landscaping, cleaning up, you know, deadheading things, stuff like that. Um, And I also grew up, I grew up in the Santa Cruz mountains. So I grew up not seeing any neighbors, very close to nature. And I also always loved doing art. So kind of art and the plant world were always a great connection for me. And that's kind of how the seed of all this started. Um, I went to college and I was environmental studies major And I started getting interested in um, actually doing something in the real world instead of thinking about it and talking about it. And I was like, well, I want to be a a sustainable architect or some type of designer. And so I took a bunch of career counseling classes and um, quickly realized that being being an architect, I would probably be working on someone else's project and working on a small portion of it. And I wanted to see my ideas and what I created go from the idea phase all the way to reality within a reasonable amount of time. And I wanted to work on the whole thing. And so I started going down the path of landscaping and landscape design. And so, and and it still, you know, blended that, you know, nature and art kind of mix for me. Um, And then when I graduated from college, I worked on a landscape crew. I did installations. I did irrigation. I did maintenance and things like that for another company. 
And then um, this is kind of a pattern for me. I noticed how my boss did business and I wanted to do it differently. And so I started my own maintenance business um, and I did that for a while and then decided I wanted to do more landscape design. And so I started taking um, classes at Cabrillo College, which is here in Santa Cruz. I took horticulture classes and I took um, computer drafting classes. Um, so, so then I was like, well, I wanna really kind of get more involved in this landscape design thing. So I started working for a landscape design company down in San Jose, which is um, over the hill from Santa Cruz. And I worked for them for a while. And the same thing happened to me is I noticed how this person did business and I wanted to do it very differently than the way she did it. Um, and I had a, a bad experience with her, um, ultimately ending in needing to take her to small claims court for, oh. you know, not paying me and things like that. So I had these like experiences along the way that there, there were like little signs telling me like, you can do it better. And I don't like working for other people. <laughs> and so, and so I started, um, I went back out on my own and I started my own landscape design company, which was called Liz Ryan's Designs. And that was in 2008. And I had this great summer, really busy, amazing summer. And then the recession happened. And, you know, my business went from, you know, being a full-time job to being hardly anything at all. Hmm. Um, I think because I wasn't super established, I had only been going for like a summer and so, um, you know, kind of still did landscape design when it came, but started thinking of other options. I went back to school and went, got my prereqs for nursing school, um, did wow. all that. Yeah. And then, um, and then I had, and then I got pregnant with Maisie, um, my daughter. And after she was born, I said, you know what, I got to give this one more try. This is what I want to do. This is where my heart is. I want to show my daughter that you can do anything if you put your mind to it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and so I gave it another try. And I remember going into next because I was working from home for a little bit. And that, you know, it was hard because I'd see like piles of laundry in the corner <laughs> or, you know, just, you know, it was hard to focus with a new baby and starting your own business and all that. So I said, okay, I need a place to work and focus. And I I went to next space and got like a little desk in next space in the corner. And I made it a goal to come in. Well, at that time, it was more like two or three days a week, I could get away to work. Um, and I made a goal, I'm going to come in at nine o'clock every morning, and I'm going to leave at 430 every day. And I'm going to do everything I can within that time frame to promote my business, you know, I mean, even if I don't have work to do or clients coming in, I'm just going to do whatever I can to, do, to like make the ripples go out into the world of my business. Um, Ugh, and I it worked. That. <laughs> I love that. And I got a, yeah, yeah. And I, I got a lot of like support from next space. Um, one of my good friends that I met there, Darren Auden was doing his business and he, um, you know, helped me develop a website, helped me develop a brand um, for very little in return. Um, it was very like just him kind of supporting me and being a friend. And 
Um, I also got help from Keith there. You know, he's a business consultant. Um, so I had a lot of help along the way and just kind of built it. I rebranded to Wildflower Landscape Design. Um, I just wanted a fresh start. Um, yeah, and it kind of just sort of built from there and I tweaked things along the way and now I kind of have my my thing in my system and, um, you know, word of mouth has grown and I'm busy and it's really good. <laughs> so just so everybody knows, next space that she's referring to is a co-working mm -hmm. space in Santa Cruz. And that's how actually all of us here met, which is really cool. Yeah. And, you know, when the world gets back to uh, uh, next space is actually there are a lot of co-working spaces that are actually open, which, you know, you mm -hmm. go at your own risk, I guess. But you know, once the world can get back to some level of normalcy, going to a co-working space, yeah. investing in that as a new business owner is just um, one of the best things you can do. Not just because it gives you a place to go work and like, you know, that dedicated time and space that Liz was talking mm -hmm. about, but also the connections that you make there, the education you can get there. Like she mm -hmm. was saying, I mean, you would have never met Darren. Like you guys aren't in mm -hmm. the same field, you mm -hmm. know, you you just would have never met and you happen to be office mates, right? You kind of yeah. just happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, after uh, I moved up from my little desk in the corner to, I shared an office with him and we just came, became buddies and we, we helped each other. He would, he was, you know, developing his own kind of branding company and he would use his, he would use me as like kind of a Guinea pig for his, a kind of his branding questionnaire, like how to get to the heart of someone's brand. So he would test stuff out on me and then I would be the benefit benefactor of all that information. And, you know, it was cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing before Beth jumps in and, and moves us along that I just want to call out from Liz's amazing journey here is just how important, um, like mindset and energy is, you know, it, it's, that's such a great part of your story about, you know, really putting the energy and the intention and the mindset into, I don't mm -hmm. care if I don't have clients right now, I don't care what it is. I'm focusing on building this business, whatever that looks like today. And yeah. that can be a, like a lonely, scary place. I know that very intimately, um, even mm -hmm. right now yeah. as we're working on building Kenza, you know, um, yeah. During a pandemic, you, of course. During a pandemic. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't Beth start I, in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Beth and I have, like, literally have started this company, and we've seen each other once in person since we've been doing this for, like, Like, very now, socially so. distanced and, like, okay, nice to see you. <laughs> it's so stressful. Even though nobody has COVID, you're all just like, I know. anybody here yeah. I could have COVID It's an time. aura of stress. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. It's really, like... I mean, if you're, you know, being conscientious about it, I mean, I realize there are a lot of people that are being another kind of behavior about it, but the people that are really <laughs> conscientious about it, those of us who have, you know, older relatives or friends or mm -hmm. kids or whatever, we're like being so careful. And it's like, you know, like I, I'm in isolation right now. It's like, well, I was like, honey, we were going to be in isolation anyway. Like, because <laughs> like, we just got here. No one has to tell us to do that. Yeah it's, like, yeah, it's like, that was already our instinct to just stay home anyway, you know? Yeah. So yeah. anyway, it's, it's, it's going to be, I'm, I'm kind of excited for whenever we can get back out again and all see each other because like, mm -hmm. I think those of us who have taken this seriously have grown in some, in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, and so that leads me into my question, Liz, which is, 
Has the pandemic impacted your business at all? Or because you're outside, is it different? Um, it's impacted my business in that, well, it, I mean, it's increased my business because um, everybody's stuck at home and looking at their yard and wanting to improve it. You know, <laughs> you know, they all, we have our space at home now. And so that has to serve as like our, our world. And so people want to improve, you know, their yard or make it more functional and have more uses outside. So that that's increased my business coming in but it's drastically decreased the amount of time that I have to complete projects and do my work. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, at the beginning when my daughter was distance learning, um, you know, I could actually get work done with her here, but, you know, I would have to leave to help her with stuff with the computer and things like that. And I also have a three-year-old, so he was just home. Um, so it, at the beginning, it was my husband and I, he's, and he's a teacher and principal of the school. So he has some flexibility, but not a ton. Um, and so we were switching off, he'd work in the morning and I'd work in the afternoon. And then once my son and my daughter were actually, they're actually an in-person school and have been for a while now. Um, I've been able to have my, my own space, but then we've had closures and fires and, you know, strong winds. And so it's caught, it's a caught, this whole year has been a constant, you know, adjustment and, you know, like over the holidays that his, my son's preschool was closed for seven weeks. And so I, I didn't work for seven weeks, which is very difficult when you're booked. I'm booked out till like June. So if like, you know, if like I miss a month, which I missed about a month of work, then everything gets pushed back. And, So for someone like me, who's, you know, you know, somewhat controlling and somewhat of a perfectionist, like having to push clients back and not meet deadlines is like crazy making for me. Talk talk to us about that, Liz. How, how did you like for people listening who maybe are just getting started, but they know, okay, there's a possibility that maybe my kid is going to start to go back into in school learning or whatever. How Mm -hmm. do you handle um, all of a sudden a closure, all of a sudden, I mean, and this could happen without COVID, like your kid could just get sick. Yeah. Right. And you not yeah. for seven weeks, hopefully, but you know, all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. something happens, you know, have mm-hmm. this business that you're in charge of, like, what are your steps that you take to like deal with that as a, as a, st- as a, you know, working mom? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult. I think, um, in normal times, I always built in like buffers for me. Like I, I didn't, I've kind of over time figured out how many about how many projects I can finish in a month. And I would always give myself, okay, say I could do four or five projects in a month. You know, during the winter, I don't do that because inevitably my kids are going to get sick and then I'm going to get sick. So I do maybe three projects in a month or I just give myself a little more padding to complete projects um, and don't just pack my schedule. Um, And then it's also like, you know, during this pandemic, I think everybody is in the same boat. Like everybody understands that, you know, there are unforeseen things that everybody has to deal with and everybody's lives are complicated and everybody has to put things on hold and move things back. Um, I think this, the, the stress for me comes from my personal, like not, not being able to finish things. The stress comes from 
you know, if I don't work, I don't get paid. That's the the stress from the self-employment standpoint. You know, my if school closes for Casey, like he still gets paid, you know, I don't, you know, or someone else who's on a salaried position, they still get paid. I, you know, as a self-employed person, you don't get paid unless you've built in some way to do that, depending on your, your business model. Um, but yeah, that's, that's difficult. Um, sorry, I'm kind of trailing on last night. What was the, okay. <laughs> no, 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 that's perfect. Um, therapy, exercise, uh, <laughs> <Self-care>. <laughs> a good, a good husband or partner, um, friends yeah. to vent to who are in the same <laughs> situation. Um, yeah, it's, I think, you know, this whole, the pandemic has certainly made, you know, being self-employed, it's, it's like the double-edged sword of self-employment in, in like, you know, in hyper, hyper, you know, drive, because the joy of self-employment is that you can make your own schedule and you can book your own workload and all that kind of stuff. But then when something like this happens, you're often the one that bears the brunt of, changing your schedule. And it's, it's great that I can do that. Like, how would we get through all this if both of us were, you know, had to clock in and clock out at a certain time, I would have probably had to quit my job or one of us would have had to. Um, So it is a luxury, but it also is a burden at the same time. And I think that goes, you know, that goes self-employment has so many of those double-edged swords, you know, and you just have to decide. And and so does working for the man. Working for the man. To- totally, so, yeah. totally. For me, for me, the advantage of being able to control my own life, being able to run my business in the way that I want to run it, in the way that I, with integrity, in the way that I think businesses should be run, um, and being able to create something and call it my own is worth all those other you know, downsides to being self-employed. You know? I love so. that. One thing I do just want to like call out of everything you said, just so many good things in there is, is the seasonality of your schedule and how you figured that out. I think that's something that's Mm -hmm. really important and it's something you don't, you may not realize until you're actually in it and you've had to kind of figure it out. So for any of Mm -hmm. those people listening who are just getting started or thinking about it, you know, what's cool about this whole thing is that you can kind of look at your family's personal rhythm and schedule and seasons that you go through. Some people maybe may be homeschooling their kids. Some people maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, their kids are getting older and they're out of the house or whatever it is. Um, you know, you can look ahead and, and just like you were saying, Liz, like I know that winter time things sort of slow, you know, can slow down or we're going to get sick. And so I intentionally take on the right amount of clients just to set myself up for success. Or maybe some people want to travel more in the summer, so they'll take on less clients during that time. And, and I just, I love that about, I love like just being able to sort of go with the natural rhythm of your family, especially as the years go on, that's all going to change. Um, so I just want to point that yeah. out. Yeah. And also also knowing that when you're starting out your business, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Like you're and you're going to pack your schedule one month cuz you're like, "Woohoo, like I'm finally getting work." And then you're going to go, "Oh my gosh, like I can't no, I do, do this." <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I can't do this. Oh my gosh. My kid got sick this, you know, and you're going to like over time you're going to learn to calibrate you know, and then you'll probably recalibrate a bunch of other times. And that's not like, 
a failure or anything. It's just learning the business, you know, because like you're the boss, you're the employee, you're, you're everything. And so you don't have all these other people around you telling you like, okay, well, we can only probably do this and we can, you know, you have to kind of just calibrate your, on your own. Um, and I'm good at like, you know, taking those moments as like a failure, you know, but I've really had to learn to take them as just like, this is just learning the business. This is just, yeah. you know, it's not an imperfection. It's just part of the process. Exactly. Yeah. So many good nuggets in there. Well, cause when you, I was like back, back in the earlier part of our conversation too, about when I started is like, and we were laughing, joking before we started recording about like how we're all imposters, you know, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> which we're not, we're not, we're really good at what we do now, <laughs> but like, it's part of it. Like when you first start, you kind of have to be like, even if you don't have the confidence, you kind of just have to like put it on like a suit yeah. or something, you know, you have to just be like, I'm going to be confident in the fact that I know more about this than this person does. I don't know everything there is to know about landscaping or about podcasting or whatever, mm-hmm. but you got to start somewhere. So you just have mm-hmm. to like bust through. And that was hard for me. Cause I, I'm like, I, I feel like I need to needed to know everything there was to know about running a business and doing landscape <laughs> design before I started doing it. And that's just not realistic. So we had a podcast guest recently, Beth, help me quote this. She said something like, um, we were just talking about that moment where like people know they want to do this. They maybe have a skill set chosen and they're ready to go but they, they keep kind of stalling by learning. And she says, it's really, she said something like, it's really comfortable to keep learning things and to keep buying a course or reading this book or doing that. She's like, that's a really comfortable place to be. But the reality is you're not going anywhere doing that. You have to just start. And I, I, I didn't quote it properly, but it was a really like stood out to me as like, cause I'm seeing myself do that. I'm in like, Oh, I need to look at this. I need to read this and sign up for this program. And then I'll have all the answers. And and when she said that, I'm like, damn it, I'm doing that. (laughs) I think we also talked about this with another guest recently, Tiffany too, is the whole leap of faith thing. Like if you're going to start a business, you kind of just have to jump in, right? Like you can't, you're never going to be ready. Just like you're never going to really be ready for all the other major milestones in life, having kids, getting mm-hmm. a car, you know, learning to drive, like all the things you do in life, Marriage. <laughs> getting married, you know, like getting a haircut. No, just kidding. Yeah. Uh, hair grows just back. Just cut it all off. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, and you have to leap and the leap doesn't have to be like, I'm changing my entire world. The leap could be like, I'm going to take one day a week and do this. Yeah. And do it like a hundred percent. Yeah. And, you know, and then maybe it's two days a week. And then, you know, I started off working a couple of days a week and my friend would take care of Maisie and my parents would take care of her sometime. And now I have two kids and they're both in school and one's in preschool and I have, you know, five days a week of work. So it's, mm-hmm. you could start incrementally, but just do that little increment a hundred percent, you know? Mm-hmm. So if we have folks listening in listener land um, <laughs> about who may want to be landscape um, designers, mm-hmm. um, what advice would you give them? Um, what would, what would be a, the best way to start? 
to try to do um, this? Yeah, I, I would say that if it's specific to being a landscape designer, I would say work on it, work on a crew, work on an installation crew, work on a maintenance crew and actually see and learn how gardens are built. Um, Cause as a landscape designer, you're just, you're just designing the conceptual thing. You're designing how it looks and how it feels and how everything flows. But and you don't actually need, I don't need a license or anybody telling me I can do this work. I just said, I want to do it. I'm going to do it. You know, I'm not <laughs> a landscape. People hire you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not a landscape architect who has, you know, a degree and has all these licenses and things like that. So, um, but you do need to know how, you know, if you're going to design a patio with a retaining wall and an outdoor kitchen, you need to know how those things are built, whether someone's giving you a license and saying, you know, you know how these are built, you know, or you're learning it on the ground. You need to know that to be a good landscape designer. And there's there's a lot of landscape designers out there that make these beautiful, pretty plans, but they aren't actually realistic to mm. to install. Um also, no, you know, take horticulture classes, learn plants. I learned plants by doing maintenance for years. You know, I learned how they grew. I knew how much maintenance each plant required. Um, I knew the ones that were easy, the ones that always looked good in gardens, the ones that weren't. So I had practical sort of on the ground knowledge about what what landscapes do in the long term and how they're built and all that kind of stuff. Um that's interesting. So that's, you don't need credential. You don't necessarily need like a certification. It's really just gaining the knowledge, which can take time because yeah. it's, you know, so hands-on. Yeah. Um, but that's, so the barrier to entry is pretty low, which is nice. It's, su- it's super low. I mean, you know, I started off doing hand drafting even, and some people still do hand drafting. Um, but then I moved to computer drafting and that was a little more of like a financial investment, you know, you have to buy the program, you have to have a good computer, um, all that kind of stuff. So, but then that makes production a a lot quicker um, and easier and more beautiful. So um, production of the actual plans. Um, And so, you know, that's a level up, but, you know, um, the foundation is actually knowing, you know, how, how gardens are built, knowing plants, knowing how they all work together. Um, you know, it's just kind of all the the science and the knowledge to back up the prettiness. Mm-hmm. And it's, so, it's geographically you, specific too, which is pretty cool. Yeah. You know, like you, yeah, get, you yeah. know, Santa Cruz area plants, you're, you're a total mm-hmm. expert there, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's pretty like, interesting. If I was going to move to the East coast and do what I'm doing now, I'd probably, I would go and I would take horticultural classes there. Mm. Um, and I would observe gardens there, you know, because um, it's a totally different ball game. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, start small and work up, you know, start with planting plans, you know, start with planting plans and simple pathways. Then go to, you know, work, work up. Don't, you know, you're not designing pools and outdoor kitchens and fire pits and things like that right away, <laughs> you know, <laughs> intern with somebody, you know, having an internship would be good. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I think what's cool too is that the opportunity for photos and such like a, mm-hmm. you know, a visually driven culture is like if you can just pick a corner of your yard or your mother-in-law's yard or something to do something really yeah. fun and interesting and play around with and experiment, you know, mm-hmm. especially with plants, you can get plants at a decent price or there's tons of Facebook groups where you can like exchange plants, um, yeah. neighborhoods mm-hmm. organize plant exchanges all the time so you can do it pretty cheap and then have build up your own beautiful portfolio that, you know, even before you have clients probably. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, the, for one of my first large scale installations was my parents' yard. Mm. And, um, so that was like a good, you know, you know, in, get my foot in the door on larger installations. And then, you know, I went to a lot of different, um, like we have in California, we have the CLCA, which is the California Land- Landscape Contractors Association. Um, we also have APLD. APLD is like everywhere, um, which is um, American something of landscape architects, but you can be a, a landscape designer in that. And you can actually get certifications from them. I've never done it because it's kind of a long process um, and I just haven't had time because I'm too busy. <laughs> You haven't needed to, which is great. I don't need it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, advertising is good. Uh, I started off advertising with, like, the magnet on my car. And, like, you know. Yes, that is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, the the, um, stakes in finished garden, like, the little signs that you put in the ground on finished gardens. Um, And then once I started making more money, I... I looked around at a bunch of different things to actually do more more formal advertising and I found house. Um, So I advertise on house and you can actually get a free profile on house. And that's what I did for a long period of time. And then um, I I actually pay them to advertise and they're really reasonably priced. Um, So now when you search landscape designers in the Santa Cruz area, I'm, I pop up as one of the, one of the first four. And so so that has really helped with generating um, clients. Um, get get in partnership with local contractors. I get probably seventy to eighty percent of my work from contractor referrals. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So just networking and um, and also do a good job at your business. Like, <laughs> be yeah, like- tell us about that, Liz. I wanted to dig into that a little bit because. I think, I think that's why you and I get like one of the many reasons why we get along so well is like just that sentiment of seeing other people run businesses and just mm-hmm. appreciating that you're not the one doing it. And so that like is, takes a little bit off the table, but also being like, but you could be doing it a lot better, you know, yeah, like, man, yeah. I would have mm-hmm. never done something like that. You know, tell us about that, that yeah. side of the business side of it. Um, I just saw people, um, doing all sorts of things. And a lot of it was just like based out of integrity and honesty, like just do your business with integrity, you know, say, tell people what you're going to do when you're going to do it and for how much. And if you can't do that, tell them I can't, I, I I'm running behind. I can't do it on this time. I can do it now and stick to it. You know, like, communicate well, run your business with with integrity and honesty. I mean, it's simple. I mean, sometimes it's hard, but it's simple. And I think also, you know, 
I, I saw people kind of getting in over their head um, in order to make more money. Um, and that was a good lesson for me because, you know, it's easy to be like, well, it's not easy. Once you get to the point where you have a lot of business coming in, it's easy to be like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to like get everything I can get and overpromise and, you know, do all this stuff. But then you're constantly, you know, getting in a situation where you're in a tight spot and maybe your integrity goes down because you're like, oh, I have to do, you know, I'm going to promise this so I can get this money, but then I can't finish that. So I always have to like be pushing people behind. And, you know, it's kind of like, I just saw so many people in those situations of getting in over their head, you know, and then hiring people to do the work and then not having enough money coming in. So they don't pay their employees Mm. and that, or, or they're just constantly not necessarily lying to clients, but sort of like making excuses and constantly like over promising and under performing or or under delivering, you know, and I feel like people respect you so much more if you clearly communicate what you can do. And if you come to a situation where something happens and you can't do it, you clearly communicate why you can't and then communicate to them when you can do it and what they would like to do. I can give you your money back or do you want to hang out with me until I can complete it for you? You know, Mm -hmm. um, it's hard because I think being self-employed, you get worried about your, your income, you know, and all of that. So it's like, you really want to make sure that you're going to, you're going to be able to pay your bills and eat and all that stuff. But if you're getting on over your head all the time, it's just going to be a mess. (laughs) So, and I saw that a lot. I saw a lot of the, the two like larger companies that I worked for, actually three of them that I worked for, um, just had those problems, um, and also show up on time. <laughs> and if well, you can't, like if you can't show up on time, just say I'm I'm running five minutes late. You know, or, or make the appointment for nine thirty if you're always going to be late. Yeah, you know? yeah. But even yeah. though, tell yourself it's nine, and tell them it's nine thirty. And going back to what you were just talking about, also, folks from the from the financial perspective, always manage your money. And if you don't know Mm -hmm. how, get a professional to help you with that. Why you're Mm not, it's one of the things that's so hard for business owners is that they're trying to deliver the work. And at the same time, they're maybe trying to manage money too and doing it badly. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. hire somebody that knows how to help you with that because that drives so many, so much of this behavior comes from the cash flow you know, issue. Yeah. And it could be, it could be simple things. Like I remember, um, Keith helped me with this. He helped me with my contract. He's a business consultant that worked at next space. Um, and he helped me with my contracts. He would like go over my contract and I've had several version of my contract over the years. And I feel like it slowly refined itself into something that's, you know, pretty foolproof. Um, but not overly like, you know, complicated. It's simple, but you know, does the job. Um, but I used to require, I used to not require any, well, I required like a very small down payment, like 15% or something like that. And through talking with other designers and talking with Keith, it was as simple as asking for 50% down and 50% when the, the job was complete. 
and not just evened out my income because before I would get these big spikes and then nothing and then big spikes and this that has like evened things out and now I look back and I'm like duh you know but at the time <laughs> but at the time I wasn't I was like not confident enough to be like can you give me 50% you know like yeah. <laughs> that seemed like so much to me at the time um but it really you know it it really evened things out and yeah so yeah that's a great point those those milestones are like how to price out you know how to actually get paid um the the way that I do it just to give like some other perspective maybe Beth you can share some of the ways you've seen people do it I know it's a little bit of an aside but I think it's kind of an interesting topic to to talk Mm -hmm. about briefly is um I I'll require 50% up front too and and I have a pretty hard rule that's like until I receive that we don't actually kick off the project and and I start all my projects with like a kickoff meeting you know And Mm -hmm. it's just like a matter of fact thing, you know, that I say like, this is how my process works. Once I receive that payment, then I'll go ahead and we'll schedule our kickoff meeting. Um, It also sets the tone too, that you're like, you are in control of how things are going to go. Cause Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of luck in that. I've had mostly my clients have been really great and everything's gone smoothly, but I've had situations where people try to you wiggle their way out of paying or, mm-hmm. you know, you know, just find ways not to pay you. And those are the right. times where you're just like, Oh my gosh, like <laughs> this is so difficult. Um, right. So I think setting the tone of like, I have a plan. I have a schedule. This is when things happen up front before they pay you anything really sets mm-hmm. the tone. It does. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. and then throughout there's a different tactic that, that I take where um, the, the payments after that, the remaining 50%, they are actually not tied to milestones in the project. They're tied mm-hmm. to the timeline of the project, regardless yeah. of what's happened yet. And yeah. the reason I do that is because I don't, um, I don't want my money being tied to something being held up in their internal process. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I, I typically what I do, you know, can change, but typically it's 50% up front, 25%, um, you know, halfway through the project. So if it's a six to eight week project, so four weeks later, mm-hmm. I'll ask for the next 25%. And then I clearly say the final 25% is due at eight weeks, regardless of where the project's at. And, and I will sit cause, cause I know I'm going to come through. Right. And I yeah, know that yeah. if things mm-hmm. are slipping and sliding, I'm going to touch base and try and keep it on track as much as possible. And I mm-hmm. say something in my contract that's like, um, you know, I, I will, I'm going to bill on this time. And, and if something, if the project pauses or, you know, what something happens due to circumstances outside of my control, I'm still going to get paid at that time. Yeah. Um, like, and your bills uh, are still going to show up. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Um, so it's just something for you to think about out there, people. Yeah. And also I think being clear about, I think having, it, having it like that, where it's just a specific time frame, but being clear about what it means, what the, it means for the project to be done, you know, yeah. cause I think mm-hmm. clients definitions sometimes can be different from your definition about the, mm-hmm. the project being done, you know, is mm-hmm. the project being done when I hand over the, com- the completed revised design and they have their product or is some people think it's when the, in, the landscape is installed and every single plant that oh. should be alive is alive, you know? So, 
Wow. Yeah. That's a drastic definition of done. So mm-hmm. being clear on like, this is when my part of it is complete. You know, this is when yeah. I need payment for everything. Yeah. That's a great point. C- communication, clarity, having really good, you know, I write a design proposal up for every single client and it literally lists out everything we talked about in our meeting and explains mm-hmm. everything that I'm going to do for them. Uh, you know, it's very clear. And I think I get a lot of um, s- jobs just because I have this very clear design proposal and they're yeah. like, oh, she obviously knows what she's doing. She's got a plan. This is like a well laid out situation. So I think it's com- good communication is so key. And mm-hmm. custom communication. Like it's actually, this is, it's funny you say that because just yesterday I was getting uh, March our March social media stuff and what we're going to be writing kind of queued up. And one of the things I wrote about was in my opinion, I think each, you know, it depends on the industry of course, but yeah, the kind of mm-hmm. work that I do and the kind of work you do and the kind of work a lot of people do is that I think each proposal really should take time to put together mm-hmm. and be custom, not just this like plug and play template type of thing. Because yeah. you really need to think through each project. Like it's your opportunity to put together a project plan essentially for mm-hmm. this specific person. And it will have totally. the same elements as a lot of them. You'll have a framework, but you should think through this person's unique needs, their unique timeline, all that kind of stuff, and show them, hey, I'm really I've really taken the time to think through your home, your project. Yeah. And here's how yeah. I think this is going to work for you. And they are like, oh, okay, yeah. Just like you said, Liz, like, yeah, okay. She knows what she's talking about here. I'm not just another client. It gains trust, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, every Almost every time I present the proposal, they say something like, thank you for taking the time and paying attention to me or some, you know, yeah. he, listening to what I said, you, you, you got all the points that we talked about. You know, it just mm-hmm. shows them that this is important to you and they're important to you and they can trust you and, you know, you got it. So yeah. it's good. Yeah. I love that. What, what words of advice would you, what, what, what else would you say to anyone either juggling the the parenthood and, and work or mm-hmm. um, starting a business or what, what, what do you think that your best advice is for, for somebody in any kind of business? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think being self-employed, you have to, you have to just have, you have to, I think you have to be organized and you have to have a drive to do it. But I also think you need to find something that you're passionate about, you know, like I, I, over the seven weeks that I was, that Cormac was out of, my son was out of preschool. I realized how much my, my ability to do my job, the way I want to do it is like self-care for me. It's part of what fulfills me and makes my life good is my work. And that's like, Mm. you know, that's what we're all looking for is like work that like fulfills you and doesn't feel like work. I mean, it's always going to feel like work because it's a job and, you know, there's stressful parts of it. But I think finding something that just really fills your soul and then that will feed like the passion and the drive to do it. and finding some for me, finding something that helps other people is a good thing too. Helps improves other people's lives, also drives you know that passion. Um, and then the thing we were talking about of like you just gotta 
you know, fake it till you make it kind of, you just got to like put on that confident suit or the confidence hat and just be like, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm going to do this. And, you know, like, even if, he, cause I, I remember just feeling that way of being like, who am I, who am I to say that I can do this? You know, what, who, why would anybody pay me to do this? You know, and, and really just not listening to that voice. Um, unless it's really telling you, like, maybe you really can't do this, but like, yeah. like, actually you really, do kind of suck at this. Like seriously, yeah. listen to me. Maybe you need to pivot from <laughs> what you're doing. But like, if you know, it's just your secure insecurity and fear talking, like really, like just, you got to take the leap and then your confidence builds and builds and builds and, you know, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, that's how you learn. Um, your first really, really difficult client doesn't mean that you can't do this, you know, um, and just keep going with integrity and honesty and good communication. I think that would be, you know, my, my, my few things to do <laughs> and ask for help network, ask for help. Don't be afraid yes. to ask people who are already doing it. People like me, I mean, you hear me, I'm just like, Bleh. like I have so much <laughs> to say. <laughs> I have so much to say about it. So find someone that's doing it or has done it in the past and, you know, pick their brain and. Yeah. Yeah. We have found that people in the, you know, self-employed land are, um, they're so passionate about helping other people achieve that because yeah, it is hard, but it's so rewarding, especially when you have a Mm -hmm. family and you realize just how lucky you are to be able to stay in bed longer with your little baby if you want to mm-hmm. that morning or say, yeah. you know what, mm-hmm. I'm going to move this meeting because it's a really beautiful day and I would love to take my daughter to the beach or, you know, whatever yep. the circumstances yep. are, like you really truly recognize like, oh, this actually is life changing to be able to be in control. And they want to share that. People want to share that. Like I took, I decided how long I wanted to have maternity leave. I had six mm-hmm. months with both kids and I just set us, I saved up. I knew I was, I knew I was pregnant. So like I set aside, <laughs> I set aside money for six. I said, I want to take six months off. And I set aside the money to be able to pay, saved up, you know, set aside that money and be, to be able to pay for those six months that I wanted to take off. And I did it. And it was, you know, I'll never, ever regret that. You yeah. know, those six months were what I needed. And then, you know, I, I usually leave Fridays for me, like I, not during the pandemic, because I'm just working every possible chance that I can, but on Fridays, in a normal year on Fridays, I would leave it really light and I would do something for myself. Um, And then, yeah, we can go on vacation. We just schedule vacations when we want. And I just schedule my clients around that. Um, It really gives you a lot of, it's what everybody should have. You know, autonomy, control over their time. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if we work hard, we shouldn't have to be constantly monitored and micromanaged. We're adults, you know, Mm -hmm. we should be able to make our lives look and feel the way we want it to feel. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's definitely a privilege and it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Right on (laughs) self-employed people. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard work though. It's not. It it's not. A, it's it not is. easy. But yeah. you do have a lot of like. You get joy and quality of life out of it too. 
Yeah. Nice. There's something I've been finding lately, just talking about like the hard work thing. That's just an interesting, an interesting thing to consider is, and Beth and I talk about this a lot of like having a good client mix. And, um, so an example came up recently. I took on a client right now who I was feeling nervous about taking on a client, to be honest, because I just have a lot going on and I'm trying to build this business, but I also need the income and, you know, Mm -hmm. so I was feeling nervous, but I knew that what the project was is sort of like my bread and butter. So I was like, you know what, just, you'll, you'll figure this out. Mm -hmm. Like you will do it. And I'm in it and I like, I like it a lot because, and it's like surprising me. But it's because it's easy. It's like what I know, you know, like Mm -hmm. to someone else, what I'm doing in this particular project would probably be really like intimidating or hard or I have a lot of balls up in the air, but I like, it's what I know. It's my bread and butter. And so it's like, sometimes it's kind of nice to have projects like that mixed with like trying to do some other thing or do something that's scary or hard or something new. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you're just like, it's like comfortable to like be like, okay, yeah. I know exactly what to do with this one. And this other <laughs> one, like, oh God, what am I doing next? I don't even know, you know? <laughs> that's another great, that's another great thing of being self-employed too, is like, you know, if you work for someone else, you just have to work for every client that they give you to work for yeah. or do right. every job that they're asking you to do. But like, I've learned over time to notice the red flags of, you know, I meet with everybody and it's like, oh, I, I'm seeing a couple red flags, I'm going to, you know, decline working with this client or, mm-hmm. you know, just like that, you know, maybe I don't want to take on a huge, you know, master plan with, you know, all this really um, complicated design stuff. Maybe I want a month of just like, you know, small backyards with pathways, yeah, something and, comfortable. you know, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you can kind of pick and choose and you learn over time. Like, like I said, the calibration thing before is you learn over time what the red flags are. You learn over time, you know, who you want to work with and who you don't want to work with, what type of projects you want to do, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. All right, well, let's start to wrap this up. Beth and I are working really hard to keep our podcast to like 40, 45 minutes. I know, we could talk for <laughs> I think we a couple more going. hours. <laughs> I, 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 like, I like your perspective of, you know, confidence is everything and go for it. And, and mm-hmm. I think uh, that is, in my opinion, that's how I started my business too. It was just like... <laughs> Kind of go for it. So, so I think it's, yeah. I, I think it's what happened to way. me is, yeah, I think what happened to me is my first client materialized and they were like, mm-hmm. come help us with this. And by the time I, you know, got a few weeks into this, I was like, oh, wow, I have my own business and it's working. And it only took me yeah. a couple weeks. Um, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, there's there's a lot to be said for that about you know the the just charging forward taking the leap and and getting going and i think that this mm-hmm. was a good a good conversation about that for the folks for whom that will be motivating and helpful yeah so thank you yeah everybody starts somewhere yeah 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 exactly, exactly. yeah exactly. you don't come out of the womb a professional landscape designer right? <laughs> with your own business yeah. right yeah yeah you gotta like you have to start at zero you know yeah somewhere. yeah <laughs> Well, thank you again so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah and um, if you want to check out Liz's work, go to wildflowerlandscape.com. And the website she was talking about is house. Is that H-O-U-Z-Z.com? Yes. 
it's okay. awesome for landscape designers or you know any anybody in the home improvement field but it's been okay. great for me yeah yeah cool we'll put all that in the show notes too well, thank you again. And um, I know there's so many great nuggets of wisdom in here that is, are really going to help people. So thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. And um, we'll catch you next time.